Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. A podcast about making radio from the University of Bedfordshire. Hello, I'm Terry Lee. This is Fantastic Noise. Thanks for your time and for your ears. As you can probably already tell, this edition is a bit different. I'm in Sheffield for the Community Media Conference 2018 and the Community Radio Awards, a day where community radio practitioners from across the country get together to share stories, experiences, advice and grumbles about the world of UK community radio. Coming up in today's podcast, I thought it would be a great opportunity to speak to some of the leading figures of the community radio movement and try to put together an explanation of what community radio is all about. Later, as always, we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the Radio Word of the Week and making our weekly visit to Dr Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. But first, you can't come along to a conference like this and not engage with a fair amount of listening. I caught up with some of the delegates and asked them to tell me what they've been enjoying listening to recently. What are you listening to? Hello, my name's Dan. Um, I'm from Black Country Radio in the uh, West Midlands. I really like, in a really predictable way, listening to Chris Moles on Radio X. Um, Partly because of the longevity of the show and I've listened for a long time, uh, but also because it's an amazing example of how one format can cross a different amount, uh, different variation of stations um, and how well it can work in those situations. Hi, my name's Alex. I'm 20, a student living in Sheffield and I study film production. A podcast I particularly like is um, My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is uh, questionable. I just think the humour is absolutely hilarious and I really like the presenters. Alice Levine makes me howl. I think she's so funny and cool. It's just it's just very humorous. I like listening to it um, in bed and just chilling out and just having a giggle. I'm uh, Javis Attar. I'm from the most beautiful country in the world, which is Scotland. So my station is the Waz FM in Glasgow, one of the first pilot stations. In terms of the recent thing I've listened to, I was actually judging for the Arias and I had a chance to listen to the speech category as to 28 entrants and I, I listened to somebody from it was the southeast. Basically he went outside of the studio, went and tackled the issue of homelessness, actually did that on his way in uh, to his radio programme and then talked about his radio programme. Hi there, I'm Sylvie, I'm based in London. So I'm listening to two podcasts, one called Citizen Femme, Passport 2 and I produce that I'm shamelessly plugging and what's great is it's aimed at females and it's talking about traveling but all the different things that link into it so they've got we've got an episode on travel and wellness um, travel and fitness so I'm listening to that and I'm also listening to and this is almost like a guilty little pleasure it's called Under the Skin with Russell Brand and specifically episode 33 it's called Is Trump Better for Black America Than Barack Obama and it's a really, really good episode. Hi, I'm Terri-Ann, I'm from Switch Radio in Birmingham, and I really enjoy listening to The Archers on Radio 4. I actually really enjoy listening to it because recently they've started to add stories that are centered around young people, and they've done it really well. Hi, I'm Zilla, I'm from Black Country Radio, and when I'm not listening to Black Country Radio, I tend to listen to Karangalot because I'm into rock, and I really like listening to that when I'm at work because apparently women work really well when you're in the office working away listening to rock music. 
I always share at least one thing I'm listening to as well, and this time it's going to be a podcast, which is up for the best podcast in the Community Radio Awards later today. It's by the Prison Radio Association. It's called Double Bubble, and it's a five-part prison drama about loan sharks. Obviously, the work of the Prison Radio Association is aimed at people in prison, and a lot of Double Bubble is about warning those in prison from getting involved with loan sharks. But ultimately, it is brilliantly produced by Katie Bilboa and written and voiced by Carl Catamol and thoroughly recommended. So this episode is all about community radio. I'm going to catch up with some key community radio personalities. Hi everyone and welcome to the community media conference for 2018. We're going to tell you a little bit why there's a lot of young people on stage. We'll explain that a little bit later on. Really excited to be here today. Uh, I'm John. Hello, I'm Lucinda, so I chair CMA, Community Media Association, which is a national representative body for community media in the UK. And and we're here at the the conference organised by the CMA today. Uh, Tell us about the conference exactly and and what's going on what makes it a bit different this year yeah so conference is a really important part of our calendar and it's kind of gathering of the tribes from everywhere place where people feel oh i'm not alone in my journey and my struggle and my you know my work out in the community and today we our title this year is we are the future we feel that community media is the future of all media it's got to go that way surely but also um, it's really important for us to hear more from younger people younger people can be a bit underrepresented in community media events at this kind of strategic level but we know that there's loads involved at the grassroots lots of presenters and we'd, we'd like them to feel actually you know you could come forward and work with us in a more strategic way, be involved in national conferences, be involved in uh, campaigning and the development of the movement as a whole. And that's really important as well, that we have all ages on there. So it's not just saying, oh, it's only young people that are the future. It's actually just saying, let's make sure we do hear from them. Let's make sure we do include them in everything that we do. And we're halfway through the, the day so far. Uh, how, how are you finding it's going and how, how are the young people uh, stepping up to the plate? Oh yeah, they're amazing. I mean, they, we've got a really confident group taking a lead on this conference. There's five people doing that. And they only met each other yesterday, though we've talked online and over the phone a little bit in the lead up. But they, they seem to work together really well as a team be extremely confident on the stage kind of blew everybody away by how together that was and it's brought some really exciting elements and voices to today and this afternoon for example we're making zines and cutting up old magazines and collaging them and that's not something that's happened at our conferences before so it's nice to have something more hands-on but also here yeah here from quite a diverse group of people you know what's important to them and what their worries are as well and how we can work together to change that. Hi, I'm Cormac Lawler and I work with Radio Regen in Manchester. So Cormac, tell us about what Radio Regen does and has done for the community radio sector in the UK. Well, has done is a longer question. We've been around since the late 90s and we set up some stations in Manchester um, and then they, uh, you know, flew the coop and uh, went on their own way, which is exactly what we always anticipated. But more recently, we've been working on projects that are of strategic value to the community radio sector and running projects with community radio stations. We're not actually a station ourselves, but we run projects that have social outcomes and that also are, we think of them as a 
template that other stations can use to emulate and build on and adapt in order to build their own projects to ultimately leverage funding. That's what it's all about really, is to build evidence, build impact and engagement and, and all that around evaluation, good evaluation, so that you can celebrate the work that you do in community media and you know keep it going. And, and what? give us an example of maybe one of your recent projects. Absolutely. So the most recent project we've been working on is called Employment FM. It's been a three-year project funded by the Paul Hamlin Foundation, which are a great funder if you ever have a, the chance to, to apply to them. Um, so that's all about employability, uh, you know, um, perhaps surprisingly by the title. And uh, we've trained uh, a range of different young people with different um, needs perhaps and in, from very different uh, backgrounds in schools, pupil referral units uh, with uh, our special schools um, students with uh, on the autism spectrum uh, to young Roma to uh, young job seekers and, and a variety of other people um, to build employability skills through community uh, radio. So we, what we've done is we've mapped their community radio courses that we designed to qualifications that they can use not just in uh, a media future like for that kind of a career but also uh, generic transferable skills that they can take anywhere to any employer to say I've done something on radio like you know employ me because even if you look at the stats and engagement or whatever I think people are starting to remember that may be even a lot of the businesses in around where um, it's Logella here, long-standing community media association council member, on and off when they'll have me for the last twenty odd years, I think. So, Lo, you say twenty odd years, and that's twenty odd years of, of for you getting involved in community radio projects. What what did it look like twenty years ago? Well, it looked like a, an optimistic hope, basically. I think most of us were involved in doing restricted service license things, a certain amount of lobbying in terms of trying to get a political will on side to look at the possible creation of a legislative kind of acknowledgement of a third sector, which would not be the BBC, not be commercial radio, but be discreetly uh, a separate sector, and that was community radio, as it's now become. But at the time, I think it was trying to sell people on the idea that this was going to be something of value. And, and, and what were you selling exactly? Because was what became community radio back then more or less the same? What, what, what was it that made this brand of radio different to the BBC and commercial radio? Well, I think the thing for most of us, I, I think, you know, our strength and our weakness is the fact we are such a broad church. And my current joke is uh, it's rather like Brexit community radio in as much as everyone has their own idea of what it's actually meant to be so what you have is you do have kind of quite broad church but really for a lot of people it was coming from a community development perspective from a human rights perspective and particularly you know people at the margins of society having the opportunity to articulate the reality of their kind of existence and their experience whether it be cultural music or whether it would be you know, the, you know, the politics of everyday living. So I think it was meant to be about an empowering third sector with a discrete identity of its own, not BBC, not commercial radio, but something quite new and quite different that gave people access to platforms uh, that they wouldn't normally, you know, they wouldn't otherwise have. 
and, and what, what do you think's the, the what does the future look like for community radio now? Do you think, Lowell? Where's where's it heading? I think it's quite a tricky one to talk about the, the future of community radio. We know, I think in many ways, I think there's about 250 licenses now. From that initial fi- tranche of 15, a few a few big lessons along the way, some kind of painful financial lessons. That notwithstanding, of course, people still want licenses. Um, the development of local DAB stuff, the SS DAB stuff, uh, in an environment where there are lots of other kind of uh, online platforms, internet, IP, you know. So, so it's kind of interesting, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the kind of radio thing may always remain because I think, what do you do when you're doing the ironing? What do you do when you drive the car? What do you want to do sometimes? You want to listen to the radio because it's the most appropriate platform. Well, okay, you could say, yeah, I could do that on the internet, I could do that, but I think the kind of people that get involved in wanting to do the community radio thing, bunch of eccentrics, oddballs, but quite passionate, it's, it's kind of fairly unique to the community radio sector. And I think there's a hardcore of um, people that are, um, that are involved in community radio that are likely to keep that going. And I've got a sneaking suspicion there may be a backlash against some of the social media platforms at some point. Because so much of the social media stuff is about uh, confirmation bias, and well, it's a bit of a mutual masturbation society, <laughs> really. It's like finding people that want to tell each other how wonderful they are. Um, my name is Dr. Shahad Salha, and uh, I am presenter of uh, at Link FM. I have my own show called The Choice in both languages, Arabic and English. Uh, it's between 11 to 1 every Sunday. And I choose the name, the choice. It's El Khayar in Arabic, Al Khayar. It's uh, because I believe that life is a choices. And as it is a choices, we have to offer our people the choices. Uh, what I do in my shows, I, I do it like a family discussion. I had a guest, and the guest will discuss those important issues about the community, but in a family way, like a dialogue way. My concern about the you know, current local radios and community radio is that they are not that as diverse as they should be. My understanding, I'm from Sheffield, and I run my own training organization as well. Uh, in the training organization, I can see all faces. I can see people from different backgrounds. And I presume the community radio should represent all these people, especially, you know, women who are in their houses. No one can reach to them. You know, Sheffield is suffering from social isolation. And if you think that about a lady who came, for example, from Yemen, and she hasn't been out, she doesn't speak English, she would love in the morning to open her radio, maybe, and then to listen to her old song when she was young. It's beautiful. That really will boost her day. And the question is, why we don't have this? Why we only have, you know, with all respect, I know we are in England, I know we speak English, but we have to accept the fact that there is a lot of refugees and foreigners came to England, and they are really making the country. Who built this country? Yemeni. They, I mean, Sheffield is a steel country, the steel city, isn't it? And Yemeni is the people who built the city. So what is their voices? I am not Yemeni myself, I am Syrian. And a lot of Syrian people are coming now from, from the crisis in Syria. And they want someone to support them in their voice. They want someone to tell them the story they would love to hear in the community. I'm not speaking to speak about what's happening in Syria, no. Well, what's happening in the community to educate them? It's alternative way to educate people. 
and to educate them in their language, about their culture, about other culture. To me, this is a civil peace. To me, this is how you keep the coherent of the community. To me, this is how you respect those, those people who are from different backgrounds and you tell them as well how to integrate with your community to become that, make that cohesion. This is the diversity, the colorful way of really reflecting who we are as a human. And if you think with me, when you speak different languages, because my show in both languages, Arabic and English, so when I speak in the Arabic, the same topic, I have to switch on to English, but when I switch into English, I amend the topic because I want it to fit with the culture. How, how do you um, promote your program? How do, how do people find out about it? Well, I have it on Facebook because every time we go live, it's live program, by the way. It's not recorded, so you can't see the pressure I would go through. And at the same time, I would tell people before the show about it. People started, you know, sometimes the sh views hit about 15,000 click on the on the show and it's, it goes on Facebook basically so it is recorded it stay on the Facebook so people can listen to it later as well and they can leave their comments so integrating social media with the community is very important you know the community radio so you can't transfer what you do in the radio you don't keep it radio you go on a Facebook it will become like half TV but you need to be confident that what you are doing is not going to offend the right, for example, music right or all this as, as a presenter. But by the end of the day, when you speak both languages, so people can comment in Arabic and English, and it's very interesting. You can't imagine how interesting it is. And it's in both languages. The first hour is in Arabic and then the second hour in English. But you cover the same topics. Yes, but in two different ways. And I sometimes have two different guests. Not only that, because my guests maybe not speaking, can't speak Arabic or can't speak English. But the same topic, and you can see, I can feel how the topic will be amended and how you play the game of, yeah, this is culturally accepted, this is not culturally accepted. But that can educate you a lot about other communities and what's happening in other, in, in other languages. And we need to understand, we need to go deep, you know, in the community radio. We need to go for research, we need to go deep. We need to, you know, deepen it, as we say in the <laughs> straight language. We need to speak the straight language as well. We can't just keep speaking, you know, this language well, uh, me and you understand. If you need to engage young people and all people who are on drugs or on knife problems or, or this antisocial behavior, you need to bring a person who speaks the narrative, who speaks the language, so they can listen to him. They won't say, oh, I don't care about their language. And, and that way they'll know as well that this really is aimed at them and, and yeah. that they'll, they'll feel included. No, no, they will understand that we care. Welcome to the In Radio podcast. We are live at the Community Media Conference 2018. And we have a fine panel joining me on the stage here as we consider the future of radio. A nice, wide-open topic. Hello, Terry. I'm Dom Chambers, and uh, I do wear many hats. Uh, but on this occasion, I think you want me to be talking about Summer Valley FM. And I do say that of everything I do, Summer Valley FM is at the heart of everything I do because that is the people of North East Somerset. Yeah, well, I mean, I will talk about Summer Valley. I will quickly also say today you did the uh, live in-radio uh, recording. I say live, it's a live recording, seems a bit... But you did a recording for your in-radio podcast. Yes. And, and that seemed to go really well and, and some interesting points raised and you shared it in, in your own uh, brilliant confident style. I think we all enjoy your presentation, Don, so brilliant stuff. 
Well, I think one of our um, members here once described me when I was chair of the CMA. He said, "I love your, I love your music hall approach to uh, to things." And it perhaps is true that I have spent more than might be considered a reasonable amount of time watching uh, Max Miller films. But uh, stories for other occasions. Uh, I got the idea at the radio festival organised by the Radio Academy uh, when we met back in whenever it was May or June, and uh, they had the Ed Miliband podcast. I forget what it's called and in front of that audience then and I thought well we should really do something like that at the annual community media conference and uh, since the good people at radio today kind of let me through their door and gave me the in radio podcast uh, branding if you like I thought that'd be a great way to sort of uh, build that audience by doing a recording as you say in front of today's audience and we had a fantastic panel but really, it was skewed, as you would expect at a community media association event, to be skewed towards grassroots, independent and community media. And so whilst we were asking what is the future of radio, these were conversations that I haven't had when I've stood on platforms with Bauer, with uh, Global uh, and with senior BBC personnel. Uh, the, you know, we're amongst friends here, so we were really looking at the future of, as I say, grassroots media which is all about those voices that are empowered that you don't find on those other bigger networks talking about summer valley going back to summer valley uh, it's a community radio station and but but there's a lot more than just a radio station that you've got there maybe you could explain briefly what what's going on in summer valley it's about using media to fulfill a social agenda a, a catalyst for social change if you like it is the antithesis of that which created the Leveson report. So we heard a lot and we still hear about all the terrible things that the media does. And one thing we do know is that there's no such thing as the media. There is a lot of different media and some of it's coming at us in a very welcome way and some of it's coming at us in a very negative way. But what am I talking about here when I'm talking about media with good stuff, which is a kind of abbreviated version of what it's all about? You have to train people at a community radio station. You have to do that because we're a volunteer-orientated sector and if you don't train people, you do not have a radio station. But training, is in, the, in England and Wales, the Charities Commission do not recognise community radio as charitable per se. So whilst we know we do all these marvellous things, you've got to find other ways of earning revenue. And one of the things you can do is, uh, is achieve outcomes around resolving social challenges. And they could be, well, actually, pretty well all social challenges I can think of lead to one word, isolation. And the antithesis of that is inclusion. So at Summer Valley FM, and I know this is happening up and down the country in all sorts of uh, different outlets, uh, similarly using training, um, you're including people you are training them on individuals' customised learning programmes, so there's not a one-size-fits-all. Now, that means that you know, we work very closely, by the way, with referral organisations. So we are an appropriate environment to, for help of people on, uh, with autistic spectrum disorder, uh, recovering addicts, and so forth. We have eight target beneficiary groups. And so we work with referral organisations, and they kind of work out, well, that's what these guys offer, so we're going to send them the right people, as it were, to maximise the opportunity of benefiting. So training at Summer Valley FM absolutely produces great, in my view, community radio. 
and it's very much about local radio and giving a voice to the communities of North East Somerset which have real challenges around post-industrialisation uh, redefinition. It's ex-coal mining, ex-railways, ex-printing and it's basically white van man and his corking gun. Uh, so there's many reasons for training. I would say though training is at the heart of what we do and 10 years in we have created a local radio offer which I think many of us are very proud of down there. Let's go back to social media then. That would be my question. I'm going to start with you, Charlotte. Community media is for all ages. How can social media, which is clearly becoming a very big platform... Hi, I'm uh, Dr Rob Watson and I'm uh, my area of interest is community media. Uh, I've previously worked at uh, De Montfort University in Leicester and I'm a member of the CMA Council. Rob, tell us about the uh, project, I guess, that you're starting to do with academic research and supporting members of the Community Media Association. The CMA's always had a strong input from academic partners and supporters and what we really wanted to do was to look at how we can enhance that, look at how we can bring it together to really focus on the social impact of community media. So there's lots of other groups out there that we want to work with, uh, the Radio Studies Network, with the MEXA, the Media uh, Studies Association, uh, but we want to really focus the the evidence base that we can gather about community media on what its social impact is. So when we and our members go to apply for funding or talk to government or talk to health authorities or education organisations that they've got evidence that's relevant as to what community what difference does community media make and how does it make that difference. So to put evidence to do that kind of research exercise what you've got to do is figure out both the good and the bad. You've got to know what does work to celebrate just what does work is kind of PR, to understand what things, how things work and what works well and what doesn't work is research. So we really want to kind of have an open, an open discussion to begin with where we look at all the kinds of issues and we say who's doing what, where are they doing this and what does it lead to in terms of how we better understand the social impact and how it might drive and facilitate social change. Where do you think this will lead? Do you think there is a desire amongst academics to do this sort of research? Yes, because people have been doing it for a long time. Uh, I mean, we proved today from the Community Media Association conference that there's a desire out there for people to promote and support community media. But, you know, this is just one, you know, it's like the, you know, the, the three or four legs on the stool, isn't it? You know, this is, is one supporting part of that. You know, there's the kind of passion and drive. But then you also need to make that stable. You need to put that extra leg in there of, you know, facilities and technology and volunteers, but also understanding how it works. And the research element to this is really about that so there are lots of people who are supportive of this and they've been doing work in related areas but we just want to try and bring it together you know they, there are people who are already doing this I'm not saying that we're doing anything new or different but we just need to kind of the idea is to map that out to begin with to get a sense of where this is taking place how it's what direction it's going in and where we think it best, best fits with the agenda that the community media association has and what kind of partnerships we can conform around bringing research focus and it's not just universities there's also advocacy groups and uh, social impact groups out there that do research uh, you know the Joseph Roundtree Foundation the Good Things Foundation here in Sheffield there's lots of organizations that do this kind of thing that policy is understood via evidence so what's the evidence that what we're doing we feel good about it because we're committed we, we get it but how do we explain that to people who don't 
yet understand that. And that I suppose our, our message is, is that community media is part of the solution. Include us at the beginning of the process. So if an organisation like a health authority is running a social campaign on, I don't know, diabetes is a big issue at the moment and obesity is a big issue at the moment, Often what happens is people come up with a great kind of strategy for improving health plans, but the communication element of that comes in at the end. And they say, well, now we need to get that, out, that message out to people. And we need to you know, put adverts in the paper or put a press release out or get onto the local radio. What we're saying is that actually community media should be involved at the start of that process. Think about engaging people in telling their own stories with their own voices and you'll achieve Hopefully, if the evidence supports this, you'll achieve a better outcome for your project and social impact because you've included community media at the start of the process. So, it's now the evening and we are over the road for the Community Radio Awards. There will be a number of gold, silver and bronzes to be had, plenty of food and drink, and more community radio conversations to be had as well. So ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome you to the Community Radio Awards 2018! Yeah! Ah, oh, and we're so honoured to be here. Mark, how did we end up doing this, mate? I've no idea, but are you meant to be Sir Sam Fox and me, Mark? So I'm Martin Steers, I'm the founder and chair of the Community Radio Awards. Martin, what made you set up the Community Radio Awards? I came through student radio, I've been involved in commercial radio, and there are lots of awards out there, and I always felt that they couldn't quite, they weren't quite accessible for community radio. And community radio is big enough and valuable enough in itself that it deserves the recognition and the promotion to say what fantastic stuff that we're doing here in the sector. What would you say to people who might say having winners of awards in community radio doesn't really go with the community radio ethos? How, how would you respond? Well, I don't really like using the word winners because to me the real winners for community radio are the audience and the communities of which we're all involved with. It's, you know, they are award recipients, but it's a way of acknowledging the best practice. It's a way of acknowledging and promoting, you know, who's, who's great and who's doing good work that year because it is only you know of that year um, and to really sort of pat ourselves on our back for all the fantastic work that all the hours and hours of the, all the volunteers put into community radio it's the third year of the awards and the third time the awards have been after the community media association conference why have you chosen to put the awards after that conference well we, we wanted an opportunity of bringing everyone together uh, in one place because people are already coming out for the conference so why not have a fantastic evening celebration and awards and also it's a bit symbiotically that the fact that we know from chatting to the CMA that it helps improve the attendance to the conference uh, and also we, we hope that people who are coming to the conference also then stays on to the awards so why not make a bit of a weekend of it and and you know have it all joined together and are you happy with how the awards are going tonight so far I, I normally say when people ask me this, ask me at the end, but no, it, it's going fantastically well at the moment. We've got over 200 people uh, uh, booked to attend the awards tonight and everyone's having an amazing time. And, and more importantly, for the first time ever, we're Facebook living as well. So if people couldn't make it to the awards, they can still find out and watch live as to what's going on. And of the gold award winner tonight, the judges had to say an outstanding breadth of coverage, including very thought-provoking content. The winner is Wickham Sound. We've got Tuesday Night Sports. Hi, it's Pippa. Um, I'm the programme director at Wickham Sound in Buckinghamshire. 
So, Pippa, last year Wickham Sounds won the uh, Best Station Award, so the Community Radio Awards. How did that impact the station in the last year? Were there any changes? Was there a positive mood as a result? What did you do with that win? I I think for the most part it was internal within the station um, and the external impacts came later. Uh, It was brilliant for us because being a brand new station, we really didn't know where we were pitched in terms of the whole sector. So it was just terrific to bring home that award. It has helped us to recruit um, really good quality volunteers. Uh, It's helped us to get the local council and other local stakeholders involved in what we're doing. It's helped us to raise funds. You know, these are things that come later. They're not all immediate. I think the immediate impact is on your own team within the station. Um, really gelling together and feeling that you know the team has achieved something remarkable um, those external benefits really sort of roll in later in the year but uh, I would encourage any station and every station to take part in the awards I could stand here all night Terry talking about the benefits of entering the awards you know and it starts with just taking the time to look back at what you've been doing over the last 12 months and thinking actually my goodness look how much we've done look at these new programs look at these new volunteers and their sudden burst of confidence or their new skills or uh, you know that person's now got a job or, or you know making new friends bring them out of retirement I could go on all evening the, the benefits are enormous but it starts with making that decision that you're going to enter the awards and I'd say just go and do it. This year you weren't allowed to enter the best station as as the winners the previous year so can I presume for next year's awards you're going to be going for it? We are coming back to get it next year that's the aim Um, of course you know it would be great if more and more stations entered each year and so that then, you know, ramps up the competition. So who knows, you know, maybe, maybe we've had our time. I don't know. It's not going to stop us, though, continuing to innovate, to push the boundaries. You know, we did an OB on the way up here today in the back of our minibus. Um, I had a few sort of wobbles about that, dangerous driving, that sort of thing. But it was all absolutely safe and sound and, and we had great fun. So. You know, these are the benefits of being small stations. We can be flexible, we can challenge, you know, the boundaries and the rules, and uh, we just have great fun doing it. And of the gold, the judges said, it's a distinctive station that has a very clear focus on the community it aims to serve. There's a good mix of light and shade showcased here and involvement of both young and old. The 2018 Community Radio Awards Station of the Year goes to... Radio Fulcher. If you want to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, here are the contact details. Contact us. Email. Fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash a fantastic noise. Instagram and Twitter. At a fantastic noise. It's that time again, the time where we call upon the services of our radio doctor. 
It's time for Dr Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. I'm Dr Laurie Hallett, Senior Lecturer in Radio and Journalism at the University of Bedfordshire. When you're broadcasting, who are you talking to? You'll often be told that the best thing to do is imagine you're speaking to one person rather than the audience as a whole. But who exactly should you have in mind? How about your mum? The way you speak to your mum probably involves not being too formal, avoiding too much slang and not using bad language. And that's just the way you should behave when broadcasting on the radio. That's Dr Laurie Hallett telling us all to talk to our mums when we're talking on the radio. I do find that so often new radio students sound very tense when they first start. The key is to sound both relaxed and interested, but still very much a version of yourself. It's, it's hard to pull off, but a bit of practice and hopefully you'll get there. Uh, before we go, it's time for our regular busting of radio jargon, the Radio Word of the Week. Radio Word of the Week. Fantastic noise! A podcast about making radio. This time, in keeping with the theme of community radio, it's two words. Key commitments. We're talking about Ofcom key commitments. That's all UK community radio stations are asked to adhere to. A key commitments document sets out what each community radio station is required to deliver. This includes the number of original programming hours, the sort of music played, the audience the station is targeting, etc, etc. It's all online, publicly available, so you can do a Google search and find the key commitments document of your favourite community radio station. If you hear anyone talking about key commitments in the future regarding community radio in the UK, you now know what they're on about. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thank you so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for updates and previews. Thanks to all our guests today. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, Stu with a double O. Our announcements were from Freya McCann, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in Sheffield at the Community Media Conference and the Community Radio Awards 2018. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise.